Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You know, last year in Kansas City, we had 150 homicides. About 40% of those cases in Kansas City remain unsolved. Many are considered cold. A heartbreaking reality for dozens of Metro families. I remember just trying to get down to my son's casket and I feel that was the worst, hardest thing I've ever experienced. Each victim has a unique story in life and in death with friends, family, detectives, and prosecutors all fighting for justice. I want somebody to step up and do the right thing. We're joining the case to get answers. This is Fox 4 Problem Solvers Crime Files, the podcast. I'm Kara Small. The murder of her son changed a Kansas City, Missouri mother's life forever. It would change any parent's life. The shock, the anger, and the grief. Those strong emotions every victim's family experiences as police search for the people responsible. Rosalind Temple says she experienced all of those emotions and more following the murder of her son. At least at first. She says the death of her son pushed her and transformed her. It pushed her to quit her job. It pushed her to visit countless shooting scenes to comfort grieving families. It pushed her to step up and change her reality while working to make the city better and safer. But part of her reality remains. Her son's death is one of dozens of homicides that remain unsolved in Kansas City. Antonio Thompson was 25 years old in the fall of 2011. He was spreading his wings and learning how to be an adult. But to his family, no matter how adult he was, he'd always be known as Pee Wee. It's a nickname his mother, Rosalind Temple, gave him two dozen years earlier. When he was born, um, around about one years old, he was walking, he was just like a little tiny thing. So I always nicknamed my kids, all my kids have a nickname, so I just looked at him one day and said, Pee Wee. So me and his dad, we started calling him Pee Wee. As Pee Wee grew older, his mother said he was popular and made friends easily. He was a people person. Um, he loved to dance. Um, he always kept a joke, but he was always thoughtful. Um, he had a heart. He enjoyed dancing. He loved people. Um, you know, I just didn't really know the um, personal contact of the community that he had on people. He loved to dress. He was a trendsetter. Um, he would come out and with a style, and, and the people in the community would pick it up. And I remember the bow ties. He was the first young man I've ever seen wear a bow tie. But Pee Wee was himself. He didn't care what people thought about him. He was just whom he was called to be. At some point in 2011, Antonio decided it was time to find a home of his own. He moved out and rented his own apartment. According to his mom, Antonio was going to start a new job at H&R Block that year, and he decided that he wanted to start a new Thanksgiving tradition. It was something he and his mom talked about a lot the couple of days before he died. That was two days before Thanksgiving, and the last time she actually spoke to her son. 
Rosalind got up early that morning and headed over to Antonio's apartment. That's when he broke the news to his mom that he didn't plan on attending Thanksgiving dinner with the family. Instead, he wanted to host his own get-together, complete with all the fixins. But he still wanted to help out his mom. I remember him telling me, he said, I'm going to buy you Thanksgiving food for uh, Thanksgiving. So I said, people, you ain't coming to my house for Thanksgiving? He said, no, I'm in my new apartment, mama, want my friends to come over. So I remember going to the Sunfresh store off of Blue Parkway, which is still there. And it's kind of corner from my son's apartment on 47th and Terrace. It was Oak Hill Manor back then. Mm -hmm. I remember calling people from the store. I said, Pee Wee, I'm not buying you no turkey. You're not going to know a lot of people like me. I'm just going to buy you some Cornish hens. You know, as a mama, we always did that, put our little a run into things to take control of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, okay. And I remember taking the food back to his house and telling him, you know, I got to go home because I got to go to work tomorrow. But I remember he had me get, get him greens and sweet potatoes. And so I had, you know, he said, yo, I'm going to need some of your help on some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I remember taking his food to his apartment and, 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 and tell him I see him tomorrow evening after I got off. Rosalind woke up early that next day, the day before Thanksgiving. She had to work a shift as a machine operator. She already had a mental list going in her head. After work, she decided to get home and start prepping for Thanksgiving dinner. Then she planned to go help Pee-wee with his meal. But the moment she opened her eyes that morning, she knew something was wrong. That morning I woke up, it felt it was a different feel for me. And if I could have it, I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is, I'm going to trust you. And I remember going to work, clocking in. But I remember my first break was at 8 o'clock. I called Pee Wee. And normally I called Pee Wee. His name is Antonio Thompson. But when I called Pee Wee, even when he, if he was on the phone, he'd slide me the voicemail, but he'd call me right back. So I called him every break, every day. He never called. But when I got up at 6 that evening, it's like someone knew my schedule. So I really had a little panic. And Pee Wee loved his phone, loved social media. And that was leading up to it. That's when I went home and... I just couldn't think straight. I just felt that something was, something was wrong. And I remember getting home, putting my pajamas on, getting my sweet potato pies, putting them in the oven. Because the first thing you do on Thanksgiving is you get your bacon out the way. Yeah. I remember putting them in the oven. I call him, it's my nephew and some more his friends that I haven't heard from. I remember my youngest son coming in from work. I said, I'm talking to your brother today. Rosalind says she called family and friends, everybody she could think of. No one had heard from Antonio that day. He hadn't posted on Facebook. His Twitter was silent. There hadn't been any texts or phone calls. That's when she knew she had to get to his apartment as soon as possible. It's like Mama and Tanner's go up. And I couldn't, I was kind of getting like a panic attack. And I remember pulling my sweet potato pies in the oven and I put my turkey in and I, and I called a couple of friends. I, I knew. Meet me down to this point. I gotta find my child. And I remember getting in my car. I took my granddaughter with me. She was about, about nine years old. I took her with me. It was cold. It was Thanksgiving. It was Eve. The apartment complex was lit up. Cause it's Thanksgiving Eve. People getting ready for the holiday. And, and so I remember walking around, knocking on people's windows. And but Rosalind says no one reacted to her as she tried to get into the apartment. No one yelled or called police when she knocked on window after window. She had to wait for a person who lived in the building to show up and let her inside the security gate. Once inside, Rosalind says she headed straight to apartment 202, Antonio's new home. I remember knocking on the door and kind of pulling, shaking the door handle. I uh, remember calling 911. I'm going to call the police department. That's all I had, you know. Because it was just getting, the, it was a bad feeling for me. Pretty quick, it was a sergeant came out. The sergeant told Rosalind that he would force his way into the apartment, but that she couldn't be in the building when he did. 
She headed outside to wait. It was cold out there. I remember just standing there. It was just like time had stopped. It's like it took him so long. But I remember when the sergeant came out that door, the way he looked at me, he gave me a look, described and said he's in there. He said he's been murdered. I felt the ground. I couldn't breathe. Fire department came out and gave me oxygen. And when I got my, my breath, I just screamed. She says she stood outside in the cold for hours as officers and detectives walked in and out of the building. And right there that night, as she grieved and waited for the medical examiner to move the body of her son, something happened. I knew I had to do some of my community. I had something that wasn't being done. Just weeks later, with her son's death still raw, Rosalind says she went to her first homicide scene. Week after week, she called and asked to meet with then Kent. Week after week, she called and asked to meet with then-Kansas City, Missouri Police Chief Daryl Forte. At one point, Rosalind says she couldn't keep working as a machine operator, and she quit in the middle of a shift to focus on Kansas City's chapter of Mothers in Charge. For two and a half years, I didn't get a quarter. I didn't get even gas money. But I remember coming to one of them homicide scenes and making it. I remember my little, I had a, um, a 9600 cord. I remember after years, the muffler got so loud, and the detective was like, we heard you coming. It was loud. I'd be, coming, I'd be rolling on two wheels, you know, so I'm feeling like a little police officer, but I wasn't a police, but I'm coming to help a family, help a mama, with me to go to them scenes and talk to the mothers and grandmothers and fathers, and I, you know, work even feeling the fathers in his heart, just like a hole, and it's something I, I remember so well. I'm asked, do you ever get tired? Never tired of helping family. I can be up for 48 hours and go home and do a 15 minute power nap. Mothers in Charge is the best thing that I have ever heard of that when it's happened to me there. Because as a mother, you always want to be in charge of your child. I have other grown children. I'm always trying to tell them what to do. Because as a mother, we never want to just, we just don't give our kids up like that. You know, people say, well, I'm grown. No, you ain't grown. You're still my child. So th that's something that a mother, we, we feel that we need. Something Rosalind also needs are answers. Day after day, she spends her time reaching out to other families who've lost loved ones. She says there are days that she gets angry about her son's murder, but she says the feeling doesn't come as often as it used to. And I don't look for nobody to go to prison for life or death penalty. I would never want to call somebody, be my words, I want them to die, because that's not who I am, who God birthed me to be. Um, but I want somebody to step up and do the right thing. It's give me that, just for the person, even if they don't get the time that, that people think people should need, I can look them in the eye and I know that was my child. You'd have the right to take this life. It's what he meant to me. And I wouldn't want the same thing for your mother. People make bad choices. I truly believe it. Bad decisions, bad choices that happen. It's not about prison. It's not about death penalty. It's about some part of closure. We, I would never get on my son's death. I've learned to live and heal through it. And every time I help a family, that helps me. Even more surprising is the message that she has for the killer now, for the person who walked into Antonio Thompson's new home and took his life seven years ago. Please help me to be able to say okay and to talk to that person or people that did to let them know, I have forget, I forgave you a long time ago because if I, if I didn't forgive, I couldn't have been doing what I'm doing to live. And while Rosalind says she wishes more than anything that her son was alive today, she says the person who took his life also gave hers a new purpose. 
She says that cold night in 2011, when she wasn't thankful for anything, changed her life in ways she didn't think possible. She says seven years later, she knows that leading mothers in charge and helping the families of homicide victims is her calling. It's what she plans to spend the rest of her life doing. Her only hope is that it doesn't take that long to find her son's killer. Someone will see my heart and my dedication to my community, all what I've done, and please help me. If you have any information about the murder of 25-year-old Antonio Thompson, call the TIPS hotline at 816-474-TIPS. You can also email your tip to kccrimestoppers.com or send your tip through the Crime Stoppers app. You can download it at p3tips.com. There is a $10,000 reward for the tip that helps solve this homicide case. You can find other episodes of Crime Files on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as fox4kc.com. Just search Crime Files. For Fox 4 Crime Files, I'm Kara Small. 